I do my 360, we mask up, we go inside, and we do everything as a crew. And with training, I mean, we're down about 31 seconds. We're calling for water, advancing 200 to 250 feet. Enchanted Sky Media. From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Before we get to the topic this time, though, I need your help. It won't cost you a dime. If you enjoy this podcast, if you learn something when you listen, could you please tell one other person about it? You can email, you can tweet, you can put it on Facebook or wherever. Or just tell your probie or your battalion chief. Tell someone who might want to hear what my guests have to say. You can help me make this show a success if you can tell one other person about it. Thanks. Now let's get started. Practically every study, not to mention common sense, says the fastest way to get a fire out is to get water on the seat of a fire. Modern-day fires that burn hotter and faster than they used to demand the ability to rapidly select, deploy, advance, and start flowing a handline. So what's the best way to get that speed? My guest today will be giving a presentation titled The Engine Company's Need for Speed at Firehouse World 2020. Jonathan Hall is a captain with the St. Paul, Minnesota Fire Department. He's been in the fire service for about 20 years, and he serves as a lead instructor in the department's training division. He's also the co-owner of Make the Move Training and teaches engine company operations around the country. And John Hall joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thanks, Scott, for having me on. I really appreciate you taking the time to do a quick interview. Sure. All right, today we're talking about engine company speed, so let's start with a couple of well-known concepts. We'll see where you stand on them. First one's a phrase, it's not your emergency. True? I absolutely disagree with that. We're there to serve a purpose for the uh, citizens and the uh, visitors that we serve, and definitely is our emergency. They called us to handle something they weren't able to handle, so it's up to us to go in there and fix the problems that they have. How about this one? You should never run on the fire ground. I disagree with that statement as well. I think you should move with a purpose. I don't think you should just run around blindly, but if you know your task that you have to do and you've trained on it, I absolutely think uh, moving with a purpose, and uh, that means running a little bit on the fire ground, absolutely do it. So then we know where you stand on that. What other factors add up to speed? Well, I think that the biggest factor is is having a system in place to make sure that you know what you're doing, trained on what you're going to do, having a system as far as advancing hose lines, pulling hose lines, having a playbook. I'm a big fan as a company officer of having a playbook that my guys are trained on. So when we get there, there's no question of what's going to happen. I call out the play, and they run the play. 
and we drill on those plays over and over again, and that adds up the speed on the fire gun. I've seen a lot of training where the engine company acts as if they've already arrived on the scene, but you're saying you work on arrival and size up and so on also? Yep. I mean, we will train down to the point of we pull up on scene, that air brake sets, and we get out fully geared up and pull our lines, advance them to the door, flake the lines out. I go around and do my 360 like I'm supposed to do as a company officer. If there's any changes that we have to make on the fire ground, we'll make them then. But uh, we run through everything without having a a chance to build that muscle memory. Something eventually is going to add up to an error or mistake on the fire ground. How do engine companies waste time on the fire ground? Well, I think a lot of things that, that come into play with that are pulling up and not knowing exactly what you're supposed to do. Again, there's nothing wrong if you pull up and there's some time you have to call an audible, you call an audible, but knowing what your job is, knowing how to flake lines out. You know, everybody thinks they're very proficient at pulling their pre-connected hose line or if they advance off the rear dead load or static loads off the rear. But to me, every day we stretch hose. You have to be good at stretching hose without being proficient at that. That slows you down on the fire ground. Making sure you estimate your stretch appropriately is a huge thing. I think with the arrival of pre-connected hoses, that that art of estimating that stretch is really kind of gone down. So making sure that you have enough hose at the door to advance in, having that working length or working line up there to know that you're going to be able to make it to the fire safely and quickly. Is a static load slower to deploy than a pre-connect? I I don't think they are. I mean, for my company, we stretch off the rear every time. We built that uh, into our repertoire that we're proficient at that. That guarantees us the right amount of line, not too much line, not too little line. And I actually find that it's faster than the pre-connected line. We have a bundle off our rear that's about 100 feet of inch and three-quarter hose. We get that up to the door. That guarantees our working line. Here in Minnesota, we have all sorts of snow banks and narrow roads and things to contend with. So if the guys trip and lose their grip on the hose, We don't want a yard sale out front, so we want to make sure that they have that working line easily deployable to the front door, guaranteeing them that hose line ready to go inside. And with training, I mean, we're down about 31 seconds. We're calling for water, advancing 200 to 250 feet. That's fast. Is that a standard most departments can achieve? Yeah, I think that's absolutely achievable standard. Getting ready, getting up front. I do my 360, we mask up, we go inside, and we do everything as a crew. Having that that pre-plan done on how we're stretching lines, those writing positions of who's going to be where, masking up proficiently, making sure you can do it with gloves on, get your hood on, go on air as a crew, setting that clock. So we start running our air at the same time. By the time we're ready to go in, everything's set. I don't think 60 seconds is uh, too far of a stretch to make sure that we have the line stretched, blood out, and we're advancing inside. But most engine companies just aren't that fast. How long does your average crew take to get water flowing? I would say way too long. I, I don't have an actual metric on that, but you, you can go on YouTube and see some of those things of how long it takes to make stretches to actually charge the line. And I don't want a money morning quarterback, but there's definitely room for improvement out there, whether that's Two minutes, two minutes and 30 seconds, whatever it is. Obviously, with longer, more complex stretches, things change a little bit if we're advancing through courtyards or up into apartment buildings. But the standard, you know, one and a half, two-story home, I think a minute is very achievable to be at the front door and have water in that line bleeding out. Let's talk about those YouTube videos because that's exactly what I was thinking of. 
A lot of them seem to show the firefighters getting on scene and just sort of standing there thinking. How does that happen? Is it lack of training or lack of preparation or what? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, people don't exactly always know what they're supposed to do on the fire ground. I I personally am a big fan of having a, a nozzle person assigned at the beginning of the shift to make sure that they know that they're grabbing the bundle for me. So they grab that, the uh, the backup person deploys the rest of the hose line, however much we need for that travel line to get to the front door, and I'm doing my 360. I personally carry a small tool with me, but the backup guy always carries a set of irons in case we need to force the front door, and then guarantees that we have tools ready to go. My driver busts the line, hooks it up, and the next thing he'll do if we have to, he'll throw a ground ladder up front if the truck's delayed, or if it's an upper floor fire and we're concerned about extension, he'll start bringing tools to the front door, whether that be an attic ladder and hooks or other type items. But everybody has a role on the fire ground, and we train on that over and over and over again to uh, shave those seconds off. How do you train your guys to know which line they're going to pull for a given type of scenario? Well, I, I, again, that's uh, building that into the playbook. We pull up on scene you know, a one or two room fire in the hallway, inch and three quarter line, if it's more than that, a two and a half. Commercial fires, being that we don't always know the location and extent of the fire, it's a bigger building, larger fire load, two and a half fire. Upper floor fire in an apartment building with a large attic space or cot loft above, the two and a half fire. And we drill on that over and over and over again. And all I'll have to tell them is two and a half, inch and three quarter, I'll yell that play out and they know exactly what to do. Having those systems in place where our two-and-a-half-inch load is the same as our inch-and-three-quarter load, which is very similar to a high-rise standpipe load, builds muscle memory every time we do a set of rep on that. It translates very easily to the next set of hoses that we have to advance the next fire. So with all that in mind, what is the next move that you guys would make in training to improve above what you do now? Well, I think... uh, I, I'm always going to be stretching line. Every day we should be stretching line. As an engine company, that's our role. So you mean literally every day when you show up at the firehouse, that's a consideration? Yep. Every day we're going to stretch a line, something, whether that's a high-rise or vacant dwelling or something like that. Or if we have an alarm for a report of smoke and there's any concern that we might have something going on as we're going to investigate, we'll stretch a line so it's on an actual building in our district Guys are preparing. It's not a parking lot stretch. They're dealing with snowbanks. They're dealing with parked cars, fences, whatever it is. So they're proficient at that. Getting those muscle memories built as we're in our district is a huge thing versus just being in a parking lot somewhere. I'll be back with more right after this. Don't miss your chance to get your hands on the hottest logo wear around. Code 3 Podcast Gear makes you look good and tells the world you're a fan. Now you can wear the Code 3 logo proudly. Just go to our website, Code3Podcast.com. Click the banner and you'll be able to order an assortment of cool apparel and accessories. And thanks for supporting the podcast that supports firefighters. So you treat every fire response as if it's an actual fire for training purposes at least? Right. I mean, I think the studies have proved that over and over again, that we can have something going on inside of a building, whether that's in a ventilation-limited state or not. We might not have much evidence from the outside. 
So having crews ready to stretch, you know, not committing all our resources inside right away to stretch, whether that be I go to investigate with one person. We we have the nozzle person at the rig ready to stretch if we have to, but we're set up. We're ready to go. If I have any concern, we have any light smoke showing upon arrival, even if we think it might just be food on the stove, we're going to stretch a line to that front door. What do you think of the idea of having a man carry a can? Is it worthwhile? I think so. We have a can or what we call a light water here, being that we're close to 3M where they invented the light water. And that's our can that we'll advance in. If we're investigating something, we'll bring a can in. We're going to an upper floor of an apartment building, we'll bring a can in. A couple cans can knock down a full room very quickly, or at least get it confined while we stretch the rest of the line. I'm very fortunate where I work that we have truck companies and what we call rescue squads or heavy rescues that are close behind us. I'm stationed with one. They usually get there about the same time as us, and they'll have somebody go up with their can as well. So between a couple cans, we can get things knocked down, at least get a start on it, confine it, pull the door closed, do a quick search if we have to, and advance the line up there to knock down the fire. Now, Kurt Isaacson is a big advocate of controlling a fire with just a 500-gallon booster tank. Do you agree? I, I'm 100% on board with Chief Isaacson. I mean, we carry uh, 500 gallons of water on our onboard tanks. That's plenty to get things knocked down. You consider you advance a backup line off a second engine company. Again, it's supposed to be a backup line from a different source. And we have 1,000 gallons ready to go. If need be, my, my driver can very easily stretch a hand jack hose down to a hydrant, get a water supply started. But between uh, 500 to 1,000 gallons between our first two companies, we can very easily get things knocked down. All right, last question then. What's your one best tip for increasing speed on the fire ground? Get out in your district and train every day. You have to get out there, you have to know your buildings, and you have to be proficient at stretching the line and advancing in the actual structure. Sitting there in a parking lot and doing training that way over and over again doesn't really build skill. It just builds skill in a parking lot. I haven't been to a parking lot fire yet. (laughs) If I happen to have that someday, I'll let you know, Scott. But for now, I want to be able to go into those buildings quickly. Yeah, practice only makes perfect if your practice is realistic. Yep, we build that muscle memory. Sets and reps is going to lead to great performance on the fire ground. All right, John Hall, thanks for talking with me on Code 3 today. Thanks for having me on again, Scott. John's a fanatic for getting water on the fire faster. What tips do you have? What do you do to make things move more quickly? You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash speed. There's a link to more resources there as well. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.